Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You know, gratitude carries with it some tremendous momentum. In fact, gratitude gets you through doors and into places that nothing else can get you. The Bible says this, I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and I will enter into his courts with praise. If you want to come near to him, the catalyst is gratitude. It's a heart of thanksgiving. Do we have any thankful people here on this Sunday morning? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. In fact, if you want to achieve something, you need to be persistent. If you want to keep something, you need to be consistent. But if you want to attract more of something, you need to have a heart of gratitude. Gratitude is powerful. And I pray that you've come today with a heart full of gratitude over all that God has done in your life. Look, it's a beautiful day. We can be thankful for his love, mercy, and grace. We can be thankful today for life and health and strength. So much to be thankful for. I came today with a thankful heart. I came here with a thankful heart for this church, for all of you, because as it was mentioned a moment ago, we would not be here if it were not for you and your heart and your vision to make a difference, not just in this local community, but throughout this state, country, and around the globe. My family and I, we moved to the Lake Norman area, to Mooresville, North Carolina, three years ago in the summer of 2019. And when we arrived, we basically parachuted into the area. We had no friends, no family, no relational connection. We knew absolutely no one. We were there on a mission. God had put the vision of Waterview Church into our hearts, and we were just going to trust him and be led by him. And after about six months of trying to just keep our head above water and get acclimated, basically just survive in a new area, a worldwide pandemic hit, which can kind of work against your aspirations for planting a church. And it certainly works against meeting people to be a part of that church when everyone is forced to stay in their house months on end. But by God's grace, we emerged from all of that. We were able to put a launch team together. And then January the 31st, 2021, we launched Waterview Church, a life-giving, non-denominational church that is there to help people make their lives matter. And all of it happened because of you. And sometimes it's easy when you gather on a Sunday or you prepare for approving a budget. It can all be just business as usual. It's just another day. But what is happening here even today, what you do week in and week out is making a huge difference. Our church is now there and it's thriving and people are being reached, baptized. Our church is growing because of your heart of generosity. So I want to say thank you. I want to thank today Pastor Alex a new friend, but one I am grateful for, and I hope that he is living it up this summer during his sabbatical and that he's going to come back on fire 
and you guys are getting ready to go to the next level. But I invite you today to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter number 27. This is where we're going to first look, and then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter number 4. But Psalms chapter number 27 and verse 14 says this, Wait patiently for the Lord. And before you leave and walk out at that point, if you're anything like me, you probably struggle with that. But listen to what it says. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. It must be pretty serious because it's said again. Wait patiently for the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 1, it says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest, everyone say rest. This good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. For only we who believe can enter his rest. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. In fact, that's going to be the big goal, the big challenge, the priority today, that we do our best to enter his rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, and what exactly did they do? They failed to enter that rest, we will fall. And from this, I want to talk just for a few moments today on the subject, the three-mile-per-hour God. The three-mile-per-hour God. We're admonished by the psalmist to wait. And if that's challenging enough, we're told to wait patiently. I mean, really, is that possible? But we're told twice in the same passage, wait patiently. You know, we spend a good portion of our life waiting. We wait for a table at our favorite restaurants, in line to go on rides. We wait for our paycheck or for that promotion. We sometimes are eagerly waiting on the release of a new season of our favorite series on Netflix. We wait to meet the right romantic partner. We wait on a meeting to start, for a storm to end for a sermon to be over, for a loved one to get ready. And hear me today, I know we're just getting to know one another, but I want to just encourage all of you men here today, if your wife says that she's going to be ready in five minutes, there's no need to remind her every 20 minutes about it. She's going to be ready. We wait. We wait a lot. We wait for a specific holiday. We wait for a vacation to finally arrive. And here's the truth of the matter. We don't like to wait. And maybe it's different over here than it is in the Lake Norman area of Charlotte and Mooresville, but I hate to wait. 
I, I struggle with it. I am not the most patient person. And waiting is something that's very difficult for me, but I would imagine it is the same for all of you here. We do not like to wait. In fact, we view waiting as something negative. And this all goes back to when we're kids and we're trying to get our parents' attention. We're trying to have them give us money, take us to a friend's house, allow us to open up presents on Christmas morning, and we hear the response, wait a minute, wait a minute. And oh, we view waiting as something so, so negative. We view it as inconvenient. We view it as frustrating. We could even view waiting as something that is cruel. And most of us would rather do anything than wait. In fact, there are some of us even in this room that would rather do the wrong thing than wait. Let's just do something. Please don't make me wait. And it is because the majority of us in this room are infected with something. We are infected with what is called hurry sickness. Have you ever heard or have you yourself ever prayed the American prayer, it goes like this. Lord, give me patience, and I want it right now. You know, patience, patience is, is not a virtue that our society seems to favor. It's certainly not one that I favor, and I, I struggle with it. Our motto is, God, give it to me quick, or just forget about it. And Dr. Larry Dossey, who was a Dallas internist, he coined a term that describes this problem. People who hate to wait. They suffer from what he has identified as hurry sickness. And he defines hurry sickness as this, an increased sensitivity to the passage of time. That's all it is, an increased sensitivity to the passage of time. And he believes that people that are really infected with it and those that are really suffering from hurry sickness, they die long before their time. And I would imagine that I'm not the only one that lives this way, hurrying, rushing. In fact, at this moment in time in my life, I am personally working three full-time jobs. And I am going from one to the next to the next. Last night, I worked from 11 p.m. until 7 a.m., drove home and showered, and then drove two hours to be with all of you. But I would imagine I'm not the only one that lives this way, rushing from this appointment to this dance recital to this soccer practice to this thing and to that thing. And people are all the time in my church and on social media, different ones that you engage with, people are all the time talking about how their plates are too full. They talk about how they're living in the fast lane. They're talking about how they do not have enough hours in the day. And they talk about they're running a race that even 
a rat could not win. And deep in our hearts, as we keep pushing the envelope and living our lives like we're starring in Top Gun Part 2, deep down inside, although we feel the need for speed, we want there is something in us that is crying out for us to slow down, but we're afraid. And if you're a business owner here today, a college student, work in multiple jobs, have kids, you're afraid to slow down because you believe that the world is going to fall apart if you do, that what you're responsible for is going to crumble and all the hard work is going to be for nothing. And the funny thing is, the reality of the matter is that one day we are all going to slow down, but it's going to be a permanent situation. And the world is going to go right on without us. They're going to pause a couple of minutes and think about what a great guy or gal you were and what a beautiful contribution that you made to all that surrounded you, and then they'll just continue. It will go forward. Hurry sickness, according to the doctor, is especially prevalent among a demographic like that's present here today, highly motivated, achievement-oriented people. It, it often will really set in. It starts before this, but it'll really set in around age 30, and it gets worse with the passing years. And what happens? Just what happens exactly if we do not listen to the admonition of the psalmist? What if we do not wait patiently? What if the writer of Hebrews, when he says, let's enter that rest, what if we ignore that? What, what happens if we just leave this sickness unchecked? Dr. Dossie mentions that many physical ailments will be the result. Ulcers, high blood pressure, tension headaches, high cholesterol, lowered resistance to disease, and the eventual payoff is a heart attack. And what he doesn't mention is actually just as bad. Anxiety, a frustrated spouse, neglected children, a deteriorating spiritual life, a short temper. You do more, you work harder, you run faster, and the reward is you wind up in an early grave. So physically, track with me here today, physically, mentally, emotionally, it doesn't seem worth it. When you check it out from all sides and all angles, it's just not worth it. Furthermore, we were not designed to function like this. God does not want us to live this way. When he placed Adam and Eve in paradise, when he placed them in the garden, this was not what he had in mind for humanity, this American way, this chasing the American dream. This was not what he had in mind as far as you and I wearing ourselves out and having no time for what really matters. And so this brings me to the first thing that I want to leave with you here today. If you're taking notes, please write this down. A restless, frantic world longs for what Christians say that we have. 
And what I mean by that is this. We say that because of Jesus, we say that because of our Savior, we have peace. We say that we have rest. We say that we lack nothing, that it's all complete in him. And when we unite our lives with him, we have found completion. It's all in him, peace, rest. We lack nothing. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 11, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, watch this, and you will discover that I am gentle, I am humble, and I am easy to please. Let that one sink in for a moment. I am easy to please. You know, religion, religion puts in our minds that he is always upset that nothing that we do is ever good enough. And so we're constantly striving, striving, striving to try to please him like we try to please some angry father that's never satisfied. Look, Jesus says, I am easy to please and you are going to find refreshment and rest in me. And I want you for a moment to think about your view of him and kind of how things have been going in regards to your relationship with him. Would you say that you feel like today that he's easy to please? And would you feel like you are enjoying refreshment and rest? Jesus continues, for all that I require of you is going to be pleasant and easy to bear. Well, how, how can this remotely be possible? Well, for three reasons. Jesus has a different power. And we're all familiar today with his power. He said, behold, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. He's got all the power. He can heal. He can save. He can restore. He's got all power. He's got a different kind of power. This world is clamoring for power, trying to wrestle temporary power away, but he's got a different kind of power. He's also got different kinds of priorities. What he puts up as most important is very different than what any of us typically do. He's got a different power. He's got a different priority. But most importantly, he has a different pace. In fact, you'll, you'll come to know this about him as you really walk with him and get to know him that he's got all the time in the world. You know, the Bible says this, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And that intrigues me. And so I started trying to wrap my brain around that and crunch some numbers. And, and I discovered that there are 1,440 minutes in a day. And he says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. So in God's time, if he ever says to you, hey, wait a minute. In fact, anyone ever been there before? Whether it was about a wayward child coming home, something that you were praying and believing for, 
the expansion of the church, your business going to new levels. Have you ever heard God say, wait a minute? Well, one minute with God can equal nearly eight and a half months if a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And that is why one Japanese theologian referred to him as the three-mile-per-hour God. And he's called the three-mile-per-hour God because three miles per hour is how fast a person normally walks. When you and I go out of here today to our car, to the restaurant, it actually might pick up a bit if we're in the parking lot of the restaurant, but as we're walking, we're typically going about three miles per hour. So what is happening exactly in our lives when we are making the mistake of keeping up with the Joneses and constantly rushing, 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 rushing in this hectic, out-of-control, feverishly fast-paced world? If he's the three-mile-per-hour God and we are straining and we are striving, it means that we are running ahead of God. And some of us here today need to be reminded that we are going too fast and we're outpacing the leader. And that might be a big reason why we feel so disgruntled, so dissatisfied, lacking so much peace, feeling like we're exhausted. We are outpacing the leader. He's the three mile per hour God. You know, there are three ways that God typically answers our prayers. Yes, that's pretty self-explanatory. No, also pretty self-explanatory. And then the third way that he answers our prayers is wait a minute. Wait a minute. And maybe there's some people here today that are in that holding pattern. You're waiting. You're waiting on him to do what he said that he would do. You're waiting on him to come through on something that you've been hoping for for a long time. You're waiting, and the response that you hear from heaven repeatedly is, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if when he says, wait a minute, he's really just telling you to get into a more healthy rhythm and to start actually matching his stride? because he is wanting to walk with you and he's wanting to enjoy a relationship with you and he's really wanting to do some things deep down on the inside of you. What if when he says, wait a minute, he's just trying to get you to slow down so that he can walk with you just as he did Adam and Eve, just as he did the forlorn disciples on the road to Emmaus? What if... He's just trying to get you to pump the brakes and to drop your speed from 11 miles per hour, 7 miles per hour, 14 miles per hour, down to a more manageable pace so that you don't burn out, so that you don't wreck the good and the blessings that he's put in your life to enjoy. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. It's only when we slow down that we catch up to God. It's only when we slow down that we can get 
synchronized with the three-mile-per-hour God. That's why Jesus in Matthew 11, the message paraphrase says, learn, and I love this, Jesus says, learn the unforced rhythm of grace. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. If it's forced, if it's striving, if it's exhausting, that's not grace. There's an unforced rhythm of grace. And so how do we get into that? How can we find that? It's about solitude. It's about taking some time to be alone. I mean, even our greatest heroes, Superman, he had his fortress of solitude. Superman needs a place like that. Certainly you and I do. Solitude, it's a place to just check out and just be alone for a moment. It's about simplicity, getting our life down to the simple things. It's about stillness. Stillness is key. It's about just being still. Stop the movement. Stop the rushing. Be still. That's why Psalms 37 verse 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Exodus 14 says, But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Lord himself is going to fight for you. The Lord himself is going to do what you need him to do. The Lord himself is going to have your back. The Lord himself is going to be your provider, your healer, and all of those things. Just stay calm. Just stay still. We see it over and over throughout the scripture. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know the one that you say that you trust. Be still. I think the constant movement, the constant busyness many times is an indicator that although we say we trust him, we really don't because we at the end of the day feel like we've got to be the ones that make it happen. Be still and know. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But I do realize that solitude and stillness and simplicity is scary for many. Man, that can freak us out almost as much as being told, wait a minute, because it forces us if we get alone and still and things are simple, it's going to force us to deal with ourselves. It's going to force us to hear the cry of our own soul. But when you wait a minute, friends, when you slow down to walk with the three-mile-per-hour God, you'll then be able to handle all of the tests, all the trials, and all the temptations of Satan, sin, and self. I close today again with the words from the writer in Hebrews chapter number four. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Like we're worried. I'm worried as a pastor, as a faith leader. I'm worried that there are too many that are not entering his rest. But there is some good news that God has prepared 
this rest. Come on, say it again. Rest. It has been announced to us just as it was to them, for only we who believe can enter his rest. Why is that? Because Jesus says, you've got to come to him. You've got to hook up with him. You've got to surrender to him. Only those of us who believe can really enter that rest. And here's some really good news. There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There is a special rest that is still waiting. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Friends, we're talking about, we're talking about life and death. We're talking about true contentment versus constant dissatisfaction. We're talking about rest versus religion, exhaustion. We're talking about blessing, a life that's flourishing, that's fully alive, that's flourishing and fulfilled versus one that is frantic, one that is a mess. There's a special rest that is available. So let us do our best to enter that rest. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray. And the worship team is coming. But I want us to pray today a prayer that can absolutely change everything in our life. And it's a prayer of surrender. And I think that, that every one of us need to pray it because sometimes, although we say that we have surrendered to him and although we say that we trust him, we live our lives as though we don't. We feel like we've got to take the matter into our own hands. We've got to work it all out. But when he is your father, when you are his child, he is working on your behalf. Even when you're sleeping, he's working. You know, there's a song called Waymaker that talks about even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Never stop. Never stop working, never stop, never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker. That's about our God. That is our God who you have invited into your life. And if you have not done that, you can do that today. You can put your faith in him, pin your hopes to him. He'll never fail you. Father, I thank you today for your word. And I thank you today for your presence that's in this place. I pray that you would help us to find that rest, that special rest. I pray that you would breathe life into us today, that fresh wind would fill our sails, and those who are tired and weary would leave out of here reinvigorated, supercharged by your breath, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. God, we open ourselves up fully and completely to you, we give you thanks and praise for the life that is available to us in you. We choose it now. Make us a brand new person. Be the Lord and leader of our life, and we'll follow you the rest of our days. Teach us your words. Show us your ways. Help us to find this rest. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.